welcome to the H Word. Appearance is reality. Hi, everybody. Oh, sorry. We caught some of the pre-roll there. Appearance is reality. Well, I, that's what we were saying before. Um, I'm yeah. Becky. Hi, I'm Dan. And um, image is everything in this world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Um, this is the H word. This week, the H stands for branding. <laughs> that's right. Fucking anything can happen. There's no rules. H's are B's now. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, how you doing, Daniel? Curl, curl a couple of those legs back, and then you get a B out of an H. Curl your legs back? Oh, I see. You see? Uh, I understand. You can what call you're... them arms, I guess. <laughs> I thought you were telling me to do something. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It did sound... <laughs> it did... I do kind of regret the phrasing of that. I like it. Oh, okay. you, you know what it reminds me of is... Um, do you remember the old logo for Starbucks? Uh... They changed no. the logo. So, it was still Starbucks. It was still the mermaid. Um, but- Oh. What? It's still the mermaid. Okay. So, it's still the mermaid. But siren. The siren. The siren. Well, isn't isn't it Starbucks because it's like Moby Dick? Anyway. And one of the characters named Starbucks? I think so. I'm reading yeah. Moby Dick, but I haven't gone to Starbucks yet. I'm only 150 pages in. You're currently reading Moby Dick? Did you I put not- a pin- Put a pin in that. I I talked to Monica about uh, Monica Heisey on this podcast about it. Um, I've been reading Moby Dick for like years. I just live inside Moby Dick and Twin Peaks. Oh, I didn't get to the Moby Dick part of the Monica. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Anyway, the old logo for um, Starbucks. So basically, the logo now is just zoomed in. But the old the old logo was like it's like the the mermaid holding her like split tail, and it looks like she's holding her ankles and spreading her legs. Okay, when you add context, it gets worse. What? What? Oh, when you zoom out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now for everyone drinking a Starbucks coffee, first of all, make your own coffee. That's what everyone's doing now. Yeah. Why are you getting takeout Starbucks? You're really stretching oh, it. I saw. I saw a woman at the stockyards walking out of the Jumba Juice, and I just didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I know that they need to stay in business, I guess. But I was like, oh, you guys still just go get a Jumba Juice. I mean, I will say, can I say something real bougie right now? Sure. When I bought a blender, it changed my life. Uh, so, there is possibly people stuck in that phase where it's like, I need a blended drink. I know it's the best thing. Jumba juices are not the best thing. I'm sorry that you guys want to oh, advertise okay. on this show, Jumba Juice, and I won't let you. <laughs> you know, curl your, curl your legs back and get a Jamba Juice. The curl your, you know? just, just curl your legs up like you're a witch and a house just fell on you. Curl, yeah. curl them back. Um, what are we talking about? We are talking about, I have something I want to raise with you. Oh, oh like a, a bone Not a child. Pick? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, oh, now that you say child, that's all I want. No, it's not a bone to pick. No. It, it, what's your relationship with being like a Debbie Downer? Have oh. you ever felt like that? Yes. Okay. I mean, I figured the answer would be yes. But uh, what's your relationship with that feeling? Um. You, wait, are you a – I have some uh, why, The reason I'm asking is because – I've had a few conversations with people and it's got the conversation has gotten to the point where they're like kind of like cheering me up like Dan it's going to be okay like things are going to be and I was like oh am I like am I like a real downer here Oh because like, you think you are Well yeah. I I'm often worried that I'm upsetting you or like that my life stories are just bringing you down Mm I think sometimes when you listen you get really quiet in a way that sounds like you're hurt 
<laughs> oh, wow. Okay. okay. Maybe. Because you kind of are going like, huh, okay. And especially without visual cues, it's like, I I know you well enough to think you're just listening. Yeah. But it could be like, interesting. that's a lot. Or you give people space in a way that can feel like, did I hurt you? I don't know. Huh. Um, as far as my own Debbie Downerness, I don't like it, but being a Debbie Downer is what other people put on you. You know, mm, mm-hmm. or yes. it depends if you're if every single story turns into like, oh, no, it's impossible, then then you're a real Debbie Downer. But if you're just a wet blanket, like I have to say, <laughs> or if one is because the gradations I, are, are what's making me laugh. <laughs> I actually don't know which is worse. I, I guess a Debbie Downer has the like agency to be down. A wet blanket is just wet. Mm, okay, the Debbie Downer involves more choice. Yeah, more like personal action. Whereas, oh, well, why is a but wet? The wet blanket that's stuck in the rain. You can't, you can't get inside. Or it's a blanket. Or it was like you know someone who was wet laid on it. It's not the blanket's fault. <laughs> okay. What, what's the line between a blanket and a towel? Yeah, that's what I want to know. <laughs> Is go. it merely absorption? Because I could use my blankets to dry off from the shower. And I absolutely sleep under a pile of towels. <laughs> no question. Of course. It's the fluffiest yeah. thing in my home. Um, okay, wait, what was I going to say? Oh, the, that like we're in a time now where I feel like the it's the wet blankets time. Like when I was working at Second City, and my castmates can attest to this, I was always too like grim about the my outlook on the world well it's true <laughs> uh-huh yes now is the wet blankets time but but you but here comes the sore winter you can't be you can't you can't gloat with it you know yeah no i have to i want to <laughs> <laughs> i have to it's all i, I want. have to i'm a wet blanket it's all i want you can't get okay i know you're not allowed to gloat but then when do you get to win no one likes you ever I know. That's the harsh truth of Ugh. it. Yeah. No, man. I'm gonna. I'm gonna figure out a way to game the system. <laughs> I'm gonna figure out how to gloat, and it's okay. Uh, yeah. Right. Maybe I, that's what it is. Maybe people are sensing some gloating from you. Because I'm also. I'm also a bit of a a misanthrope. Certainly, when we get past the layer of small talk and like fun chats. Oh yeah, fun you're chats. Just- it, it, fun, fun chats are my just, surface level. But they just then, rip open to this eviscerating violence. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But when you get past it, you're like, oh, okay, you're like, yeah, he's uh, – I, I was talking to a friend yesterday and he was like, yeah, we're sad boys. <laughs> I was oh, like, I yeah, know when you friend, get to that layer. I can guess what friend you were talking to. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah? that's allowed. Okay. You, you want to guess? You want to actually guess? Yeah, Roger Rainbridge. No, I wasn't. Oh, interesting. Well, Roger, yeah. I don't think you're a sad boy then. Um, uh, I found <laughs> something to be hopeful about. Great. Here we Let's hear it. Um, actually, wait. So, more, more on this Debbie Downer thing. Okay. Okay. So, a Debbie Downer doesn't see any hope. This is interesting to our themes, right? Well, a, a, a Debbie... Uh, mm, yeah, right. A Debbie Downer That's why it's, turns... mis- it's you're mislabeled. That's why I'm mislabeled. Yeah. Like, I, I agree with you about this agency piece. Like, I think a Debbie Downer turns a situation that's normal into one that's uh, that that it sees the negative side. Right. And people right. – but the other argument from the side of the person – okay. So, the Debbie Downer also could or, – or the person being called that 
can wait, I gotta start again. Okay. Okay. So the the person who's accusing you of being a Debbie Downer, from the perspective of the Debbie Downer, might just be too ignorant to see that there is a dark side. True, yes. Um and also they think uh, of fabricating it. Yes. And also we are in a time of people like I don't I don't discount that people are bringing their own shit to these conversations where where we're in a time where people need to manage their mental health. And if I am in a state that is not factually inaccurate, but is darker than they want to be, then then they by necessity need to take this distance and be like, okay, I'm here, you're there, and it's going to be okay, and I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to coach you through this situation. It's like, well, you know that's not necessarily what needs to happen here, but uh, but you're in a situation where you have to do that in order to, uh, for lack of a better phrase, get through the day. Yeah, and you know what? Don't help Dan. Dan's fine. What you got to do is you got to go fucking down to the lakeshore and pick up some masks and gloves that everyone's been chucking in the lake. That's how you can help. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah, you could do that. But I mean, like, I guess what I'm saying is just telling you that you're being a downer about things is is it scares me because well and let me and let yeah. me just let me just say no one said you're being a downer i'm just saying this mm-hmm. is how i've felt okay but i i think that that is happening though people are like oh like that thing you were saying before about people just want to get back to normal but normal wasn't great and so so still saying that the people who are seeing a dark side are just fabricating nonsense is it it seems like part of that anxiety to get back to the way things were and the way things were we don't want to we we have to leave some of this stuff behind that was bad we have this opportunity to move forward in a better way and i'm starting to feel the anxiety that we won't interesting i i want to recall your interview with um uh what's his name in the at the magnet rick andrews rick andrews yeah and that was great he was he was really cool yeah um he talked a lot about the idea of improvisers being to uh, being able to accept this uh, a shift in reality and just lean into the shift. Right. Um, and I've been thinking about that a lot because of how um, – uh, well, uh, I, if I could bring up the thing I was going to bring to the podcast in general. Oh, yeah, which please. was Which was the uh, the New York Times Daily piece. Did you listen to this? Which one? So there's a there's a uh, podcast called The Daily. Yeah, I listened to it, but which episode? Oh, sorry, the one uh, the most recent forecasting. It's called The Hammer and the Dance. Oh, is yeah. like the sort of central theme. Um, so if listeners you haven't heard it, you really should check it out. It's it's like half an hour, and uh, it's it's great. It really um, is, yeah. And he the the way he sort of frames the world is like it's it's one of permanent change, uh, and that was that kind of uh, really rocked me i would say oh interesting i had some other people actually reach out to be like have you listened to that episode but i thought that we knew that that's what it was going to be like um maybe well it, uh, again i'll mention this conversation i had with this friend yesterday we were talking about the idea of getting a letter from justin trudeau in the mail that said dan dear dan showbiz is over <laughs> you know like like I would, there's no finality in that way. But the way that he presents it, it's like, how is it possible to continue with what is arguably the least essential service? Uh, and and so it feels like my work, it's like evaporating in a in a way that I 
that I didn't see before well, in a in, permanent kind of way. In New York, the Upright Citizens Brigade has just closed permanently. That's right. The theater and training center. So it's happening. And, and, that's, and that's an institution and that happened within a month. Yes. And, and they have, you know, specifically like get to get real nitty gritty about improv. It's like they have always been, uh, you know, a few years ahead of everyone else. So it feels like this is just coming for everyone else. It's just going to take time. Yeah. But I mean, this is interesting. So the interview that we have today, um, I, I do have a hopeful after, but the interview is with my buddy Lucky Yates, who's an improviser and performer in Atlanta. And he actually had some really positive things to say about these transformations. So I will uh, like leave that floating out there too. Like the end of something isn't the end of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And these moments allow for greater accessibility in some ways too. And if, you know, yep. it's a shifting gatekeepers too. Like, let's not forget it's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. We've been doing improv for like audiences of two people. So why would we stop now? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, do you want to hear my hopeful? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, I got something political. So there have been protests all over the world um, of varying different kinds, a lot across America and some in Canada because people want to either die or have other people die so the economy will be okay. That's pretty chilling. Um, but in Rabin Square in Tel Aviv, there was a distance protest against Benjamin Netanyahu um, mm-hmm. that I don't know if you or listeners have seen the images. It's amazing. They The organizers went to Rabin Square and marked out 2,800 spots for protesters in a grid of two meters. Um, so that they had enough space between them and they mm-hmm. all wore masks and basically stood there. I think twice that many people showed up. So like 5,000. So they just spread out into the streets all around. And um, in, in, a, in a moment when all of a sudden protest started to become, uh, to, to me anyway, something really ugly and scary and out of control, like the, some of the, the back to work stuff that I'm seeing happening in the United States, it's, it's also important to understand that that um, civil protest is extremely important. And and I now I'm thinking back to the interview we did with our epidemiologist friend, Dan Werb, about how times like this give way to authoritarianism so easily. Mm-hmm. And some of that is what's happening in Israel um, because, I mean uh, – you know, any conversation about the Middle East is complicated. And also, I'm I'm not uh, specifically very educated in Israeli politics, and it's extremely po- complicated. But I do know that they've just been having multiple elections because they can't form a proper coalition government. Netanyahu can't. And a time like this is used to just set democracy aside and say, we have something else to deal with. But, you know, we're seeing this across the world that this is also being done in a, in a sneaky way to just get through legislation that wouldn't otherwise be possible to, to sneak in and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the other thing about this protest that I found really incredible and, imp- and important is, um, and this is, I'm reading off the CNN website right now. So it was a coalition of groups that organized this, including Jewish and Arab groups. And so this is a quote from Ayman Oday. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I probably am not the leader of the joint list of Arab parties and, Uh, He says this, we Arab citizens 
on our own cannot bring fundamental change, but without us, this can never be done. During this crisis, there's a real opportunity to build a democratic camp and a broad Jewish-Arab front for peace and democracy. And it really hit me because in, you know, I'm Jewish. In North American circles, there can be a lot of polarization, and there is there too, obviously. But the real point is, no matter where we are, we have to learn how to work with the people that we're there with and just move forward and have peaceful lives. And I found it really beautiful in all this global chaos to see something like that happening, because certainly Israel in the Middle East is not a place that, like, I I have trouble, I have tr- I struggle with my hope for that part of the world, because it's just, there's so many forces at work and so many agendas at play. Mm-hmm. But that's the sentiment that gets me through. We don't all have to be the same. This doesn't have to be a Jewish state or an Arab state, but we have to work together. We have to figure it out. And this is the most organized civil protest I can think of. And it's it's beautiful in its harmony and its togetherness and its order. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the image now and it it's it's extremely powerful. It's like more, it's almost more powerful than if they were all grouped together because yeah. there's something new about it. And it's, it, it does speak to this idea of a changing landscape of things because it looks like a, pro, un, a protest unlike I've ever seen. And you can see the lines of order amidst them. Um, and also that, and, and, and I think that we're in a moment, it really captured this moment because in order to protect your safety and the safety of others, you have to keep that distance. And that the message about protecting yourself and the safety of those around you in an Arab Jewish coalition in Tel Aviv is, is something that I hoped for when I was a younger person, when Mm. I was a like younger idealistic socialist in a, in a Jewish youth group, this is what I was hoping for. And it, it was a kind of hope that you, you keep pushing towards, even though you know it might not happen because there's so many forces out against it. And this I find very beautiful. Well, that's lovely. They're still not running the government, (laughs) but. Right. You want to hear this interview? Yeah, let's play it. Okay, we're going to take you to Atlanta, soon to be reopened to all business. DJ H word. <laughs> I can't even think of the words. <laughs> uh, rolling into the nighttime. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. It's Lucky Yates. Bye. Oh, this is great. I need Americans to make me feel better, even though it's so scary down there. Okay. Okay. It's the worst. We live in the worst country in the world. Save it for after I start. Okay. I'm starting. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm back. I'm here with my friend Lucky. Lucky, hey, how's it going? Hello, Becky. It's so (laughs) nice to uh, talk to you. It's It's been uh, years since we've talked. Yeah. I mean, social media makes me think we're still friends. Well, I mean, of course, we're still friends. We'll be <laughs> friends forever. But uh, we just haven't like talked. I haven't heard your voice in quite some time. I know this whole um, this whole pandemic and also podcast. I've have been great excuses for me to reconnect with the people I really love all over the place. Yeah, it's really great. Um, so who are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, I've been looking for that answer for 52 years, Becky. You're 52? Oh, yeah. Oh, it has been a while since I've seen you. 
<laughs> I think I have there's somewhere I, I'm sure I saved it you sent me a birthday card it was a postcard oh. and I, it, like I think I was in my 30s and you were like happy happy 40th birthday I assume it was like the most hilarious thing <laughs> well uh, so you're 10 years older than I am I should be able to remember that uh, yeah look at me look at me go uh, so anyway yeah I'm Lucky Yates I uh, work at Dad's Garage Theater doing improv uh, and I'm uh, the voice of Krieger on Archer, uh, on the animated TV program Archer. Yes, very popular. Yeah. Uh, and I was on Good Eats for like 10 years with Alton Brown, that cooking science oh, yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, that's the bulk of it. Yeah. You have Man a about town. Man about town. Atlanta. Puppy dog buddy. Puppy buddy. Puppeteer as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Puppeteer. Yeah. Um, how, and you live in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Soon to be open. Yeah. We open tomorrow. Yay. So lucky. Yeah. How are, how are we things won. in Georgia? How are, we how? beat it. <laughs> Did, haven't you heard? We beat the virus. We can open up tomorrow. Congratulations. Yeah. Good luck to the rest of you suckers. Oh. We, we, we did it. Turns out, Becky, all you need to do is just open your businesses and then the sickness will work itself out. Yeah, it's about will. Yeah, that's all. The rest of us just haven't had the will. I'm going to, yeah, we're going to put in our minds that, well, I'm not going to get it. I feel fine. How do you feel about all that? Oh, 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 I am ready to sell my place and move right the hell out of here. Hey, remember when you um, proposed marriage to me? I do. I thought about that. It was when George W. Bush. George W. Bush for his second term. When he got reelected. I feel like. If only we knew how good we had it back then. (laughs) I can't believe it. I know. I know. Um, Well, I I thought about that moment. I got it. It was wonderful. I got a call from Lucky being like, hey, you know, we only have to stay together a couple of years. Try me out. You can can work in the States. I can have health care. But it feels like that again now. Oh, yeah. I, I, I. Begging for a nice Canadian lady to take me in. <laughs> I feel like th- our government's going to get wise to it. Uh, I, I I would be surprised if your government, you know, wasn't like, all right, cool people only, but come on over. There's so many cool people in the States, though. I don't think that we have the capacity. Actually, we do. We, we got to take refugees from all over the place. So why not the United States? Man, like, put, st- stick everybody in Saskatchewan or, you know, <laughs> take one of the province of Northwest Territory. You still have a territory. Oh, no. We can't send anyone up there because, like, Nunavut's one of the only places in Canada that does not have COVID-19. And they're so remote that they can't, right, they cannot yeah. get it. It's We don't want it there. All right. They, we'll give it, uh, send us to... Uh, uh, what's the island where the mussels come from? Prince Edward Island. Prince Edward Island. <laughs> Put yeah. us all there. They're thinking of opening up again, and actually, it seems like maybe that's okay. Oh, yeah, okay. But um, go. but George is in a bit but, of a, a scary state. It is a scary uh, state. I, yeah, you know, and I've lived here for so long. I've lived in Georgia longer than I've lived in even Michigan, where I grew up, and I I never have loved it. Uh, Atlanta is very cool, but it is. Its own little island in the middle of a horribly racist and awful state. Yeah, a lot of states sort of have that. Yeah, you know, really, if you go outside any big uh, city, drive an hour outside a big any big city, and you know where it starts, people are living in the woods and such. Uh, they're generally awful. Um, oh yeah. So, and you're from Michigan, so yeah. al- also having a tough time. 
Uh, Michigan, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Michigan rednecks, I believe, are actually scarier than Georgia rednecks. Oh, how so? Uh, I mean, I, I get that vibe. I think, I think the winter makes you mean. Right. Uh, and a lot of those folks do live in very remote towns where there is like you have to drive for an hour and a half to get to a hospital, places like that, you know? Right. Uh, and it's uh, they just they grow up racist and awful there. I have, you know, cousins that live up in out there and it's just like, oh, I don't you know. Yeah. I, I, so- I care not to see those folks. Yeah. Southern hatred can be loud, but it can also be more genteel. It's because it's such an institution down here, right? The South was essentially built upon the backs of slaves. Yeah. Uh, Whereas, I mean, you know, the North was too, but the North wised up so fast. You know, it was the North versus the South when we were becoming a country on the whole issue. And so, you know, for it to go at least another hundred years uh, as a, as a law before it got broken, you know, and it had to have a war, have a war about it. Yeah. Hey, stop owning people down there. No. <laughs> we love owning people. It's our favorite thing. And yeah, and just a lot of that. Where else in the States have you lived? Uh, I lived in I lived in L.A., but that was only like six months. I lived in New York City for a couple of years. How'd you like that? Uh, it's great, but it's a terrible place to be poor. Yeah. You want to have money if you're going to live in New York. Yeah, now you have to have so much money. Yeah. Um. I lived in North Carolina, which uh, was a lovely state. What'd you do there? I was married and lived on an Indian reservation. Oh, yeah. Cherokee Reservation. You know this about me. Yeah, I do. I pretended I didn't. Yeah, this was the 90s, the mid-90s. Yeah, so not too long before we met, I guess. Well, like maybe a decade before we met. But um, yeah. what, uh, what, what did you do there? Uh, I did outdoor drama in the summers uh-huh. uh, doing Unto These Hills, the story of the Trail of Tears. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. And then in the winters, uh, I would weave dream catchers as though my wife were making them. Uh, and uh, because she's Native American. And you are not. Uh, and I am not. <laughs> okay. But I made, a, I made a badass dream catcher in her style. Uh, <laughs> and, and we would sell those. It was <laughs> also the height of uh, the American, the Native American art craze in this country. Like it really had this. Big blast nationwide in uh, in the nineties. Oh yeah, and we were. It, it was in the middle of that, and so we were selling these things. I could crank out several in a day. You know, we were selling them to, for good cash for you know what we needed up there. Uh, but you know, it was I was doing everything I just shouldn't be doing. <laughs> you mean so, like you mean like cultural appropriation or no? No, just I just living this life in the mountains and on a reservation where I was like this low. I had nobody to relate to. There was I gave up, you know, acting and there was no theater. There was just not. I gave up at all. I gave everything up and like moved, plopped myself down in the middle of a res. It sounds kind of dreamy. Last long. It, it sounds kind of dreamy to me. I think it's not. It's I know. Pretty wears off so soon. Uh, well, for some people, you're a city boy. Yeah, I am. So you prefer working in television to making dream catchers. Yes, yes. I would say that I have what I consider to be the perfect job now because I have to work for about 15 minutes every three weeks. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> well, that, 
<laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, it's really awesome. And I make more money than I've ever made, I've ever imagined I would make. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not well paid as far as TV is concerned, but for me, oh man, it's great. No, because you work in Georgia and it's non-union. Yeah. It's non-union? It's not union, but it's also I'm the low man on the totem pole as far as the show is concerned. First of all, it's a cartoon on basic cable, right? It's not paying a lot anyway. Uh, but I, you know, I was late to the party. I wasn't in. I wasn't a contracted player uh, until the fifth season. Okay, That's when I I uh, got into the opening credits and was given contracts instead of just being a day player. Right. Uh, and so you know, my pay raise uh, has risen, or, or my pay rate has risen over the years. But it's nowhere near like the main cast. They're all making buttloads more than I am. Cool. It's still cool. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I mean, from uh, shit, man. It's this is awesome. I love it. So, I mean, I think it's obvious from uh, even the tone in which you speak, like you have a lot of sort of, I don't know, optimism within you, <laughs> even even though uh, you're... I, that's, yeah, I, that's just me in general. Yeah. I'm a pretty, a pretty upbeat guy. I'm from the, I think it's a Midwestern trait, maybe. So I don't understand uh, this. Like the Midwest is like cold and hard, but also hopeful. Because you, you really rely on each other, right? Uh, especially back in the olden days. So it just began this culture of like, yeah, you were uh, courteous of your neighbors and uh, giving and just uh, generally, you know, optimistic. Uh, and I mean, my my folks, my dad especially, is a total optimist. Uh, so, you know, I just, you know, I come by it, I don't know, genetically. What's your parents' deal? Like- <laughs> <laughs> They're very old. Yeah, I mean, like, dad, I mean, like, my what's... dad will be ninety in September, but he still plays like, well, not now, but he was playing handball three times a week. Oh wow, working out, working out at the Y the other days. But like, what's the story arc of the Yates family? Uh, oh man, that, I mean, that's a, that's huge. That's such a huge. Let's uh, that, that'll be like the whole podcast. Well, like a little bit. Just your parents. Uh, blue collar, blue collar. Uh, my dad was uh, just, uh, he was a linen supply guy. You know, people that drive trucks around to restaurants and yep. uh, businesses and replacing their linens and all that kind of stuff. He did that. Uh, and my mom was like a secretary. I was a latchkey kid. Yeah. Both of my parents worked. Uh, and a complete vidiot. Like I would just watch TV all the time. Um, that's all. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I had I had another friend of mine who I don't think you know. His name's Tony Mendoza. He's from Chicago. Um, but he had such a similar story of being like, you know, at home with the TV. He's also makes TV and comedy. And I feel yeah. like it was a real was it, were you like suburban? Yeah. Yeah, a little uh, blue collar suburb. Yeah, this sounds Warren, like called Warren, Michigan. This sounds like his arc too. It feels like this was happening a lot during that time period. Oh yeah, probably. Just little yeah. little you know, little mean, boys watching TV and dreaming. Uh yeah, you know there was uh, after school cartoons were on every day. It was great. Uh, I would run, uh, you know, run home from school and let myself in and make myself a snack and uh, watch TV. What were your faves? Uh, TV shows. Yeah. Uh, Underdog forever, but that was when I was little, little. Uh, I don't even know what that is. Underdog? Oh man, it's it was great. It was like a there was a lot going. On. It was like Bullwinkle, where there was the main underdog story, but then they had these other uh, little animated things that would sort of fill it out. Um, Commander McBrag and the Goofy Gophers, which was a 
These two gophers were Native Americans, and these two badgers were in the cavalry during the Indian Wars. This was the premise. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> and but the the gophers were. It was called Go Go Gophers. That's what it was, not Goofy Gophers. Goofy Gophers was uh, Warner Brothers uh, characters. Uh, Go Go Gophers. Uh, and so these two Indians, uh, but they were gophers. Um, we're always out foxing the dopey cavalry. Okay. So it was pro native, uh, but still like, you know, anima por- anim- anima. Oh shit. What's the word I'm thinking of? Anamorphic. Wait, what? Anamorphic. Anim- Wait. Why do I feel like there's another syllable? <laughs> I feel like we didn't say it. Anthropomorphic. That, that's it. <laughs> there we <Damn>. go. <laughs> Anthro. Antro- Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic. You know, furries. They were furries. Are you talking to a lot of people lately? Because I'm not and I'm losing my words. (laughs) I, every night at 9 p.m. Eastern, I get on Instagram live and I talk for an hour. That's where I saw you. So I just talk. Oh, yeah, right. That's how we connected. I was uh, I was picking up my phone to like. I don't know because I pick my up my phone ten thousand times a day now, and there was Lucky Live, and I and really you just sort of talked to me for a while, and then I had to go. So other people watched that happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, last night they watched a family reunion. I I, I was co- several of my cousins jumped on from uh, Pennsylvania and Virginia, uh, one in New York, and I like so I was like, oh my god, hey, and so like for half the show, I was like, hey everybody, you're essentially watching me reunite with my cousins right now so you know um and you like there's a it's a total community i have uh there's a core group of people that are there every single night with me and we i I call it the nightly catch-up but i spell it like the condiment right um and we uh like i mean we just catch up and people have have come to rely on it it's nice. There's well, one girl. There's one girl in England. She can't sleep. She like is a, an insomniac or something, and so she watches it. She's like, it helps calm me down. She watches it every night. Well, we need routines because everything's gone sort of spaghetti. And yeah, right. And you know, people like you know you and I. A lot of people I've talked to on this show like didn't have that much in the way of routine to begin with. But the people who did, this is very disturbing. What's happening right yeah. now? Yeah. Yeah. I am actually living my best life right now. I know. Uh, <laughs> not lying at all. Uh, yeah, because we, uh, like, I worked a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we, me and Abe, my dog, are hanging out all the time. Yeah. Uh, I can still take him into physical therapy, and uh, I get to hide from people, and I have an excuse to do that, which is great. And I do, I'm doing more shows than I've done in years and years. I do shows every day. Because of your well, like, live stream or stuff with Dad's Garage? Dad's Garage. We do we do live stream shows all day. I already did the we did Uncle Grandpa's. Me and Horgan and Christian did Uncle Grandpa's <gasps> this morning. We do that every Tuesday and Thursday. Okay, so uh, for those who don't know, I mean I will tune into that. For those who don't know, that's like an improvised <laughs> kids show, like Pee Wee's Pee-wee, Playhouse kind of thing. That's been going on for 15, 20 years. Since- since the year 2000, we opened that show. 20 years. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's hard to explain. It's a bunch of reprobates <laughs> trying to entertain it's, children. <laughs> it's it's a grown man wearing lederhosen uh, for no apparent reason and two snarky puppets. Now it's a duck and a robot. Right. Uh, and uh, Fulio still comes in and tells bad jokes. It's It's great. Yeah, it's a very fun kids show that they, the grownups can also like. Well, I'm going to tune into that. Where is that? On Twitch? 
Uh, yeah, and the Dad's Garage Twitch every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and it's hilarious. Also, I don't know much about it, but you've founded a religion now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already I'm already two services in. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been meaning to do this for years. Right. And I finally have an excuse. Yeah. Just like streaming, I've been wanting to stream for years, but I'm like, who that shit would watch? Like, what's the point? Uh, like, why, why would anybody jump on and go like, what, why is Lucky Yates talking for an hour? Um, but so, now people are like, they're just like, all right, I've seen everything on Netflix. Why, now what? Uh, well, and also the thing I really like about it is like, um, the sort of DIY aesthetic that we're all forced into is now acceptable. Yeah. So it takes away some of the barriers of communication. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, it's like. The writer's strike back in however 10 years ago, 12, 15 years ago, whenever that writer's strike happened, right. uh, th- that created reality television. Yeah, which I think is awful because I am a writer. It is awful. And I'd like to write. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think this now, the way people are starting to do shows now, will also alter everyone's idea of entertainment. I mean, we're sort of forced into streaming now because there's nothing in production yep. and everybody's having to do these sort of low budge things. And so people are going to go, oh, well, now we can just have people at their home and let's get scripts and we can do shows like this. Like we're figuring out how to do, you know, shows through Zoom and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's it, like there's some, a magic is going to come out of this at the end. It's pretty great. Yeah. And I and I, I hope it and I kind of feel like it won't exclude like camera operators and stuff like that. Oh, no, it won't at all. I mean, they'll be back, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's regular productions will pick back up. But now that there's now there's going to be this whole brand new genre of of entertainment. I also uh, I like I also like, you know, that people are at home with their families and that families allowed to be involved. Kids can interrupt yeah. professional productions like that yeah, seems really great. it seems organic and natural and correct. It, it, it Yeah, it, it, exactly. Correct is the right word. Uh, it, it feels like that's where we were sort of heading anyway. We just got uh, forced into it by the pandemic. Well, I hope you know? so. But I also feel like, you know, there's so many women who get excluded from work because they have to care for small children. I mean, men too, right. but, but like, so the integration of family and work, it's extremely stressful on a lot of people. Yeah. But also yeah. the fact that you don't have to be ashamed that you have this other part of your life seems really valid and something that we might want to keep to a certain degree. Yeah, but but that's awesome. But let's let's unpack this religion. So what <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's get back to my church. What the Church you? of the Holy Dodo. Yeah. Every Sunday night, I'm at nine and the light, nightly catch up, I, I was building toward it. I was doing those things. I started early in all of this. I don't nothing was locked down yet, but uh Well, where was, you were. <laughs> it was getting nutty. Right, yeah, well, not in the States. Yeah. So, but it was starting to get nutty, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna uh I'm going to just get on every night and, and just talk. Um, and so I, I sort of asked everybody, I was like, hey, guys, I've been thinking about starting a religion. Should I do night church uh, on Sundays? And they were all like, yeah, yeah. So I started doing it. And I've, I've been building this mythology for years. So it's the Church of the Holy Dodo. Uh-huh. Uh, our uh, savior is Gladys, the Holy Dodo. Great. Uh, and, and the Dodos were a divine species. They were the last divine species that inhabited the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, other divine species uh, were like the unicorns and the T-Rexes. Right. And uh, so 
<clears throat> they lived on this island paradise. And then mankind eventually showed up. And mankind was just awful. And so the Dodos were like, oh, man, uh, these guys, if they found us, they're everywhere. We're leaving. So they, the Dodos left back to the Undying Lands, which is where Gandalf and the elves go. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, glad, so, I'm glad there's a crossover. Okay. Oh, there's, oh definitely. Great. Gandalf and El, the elves are definitely in this. Uh, and so, but Gladys, Gladys stayed behind. The rest of the Dodos left, but Gladys stayed behind because she had faith in humanity that they could get their shit together. She's stupid. <laughs> and so they left and she stayed with them for one in 20 years looking for any sign that man would get its shit together. And she found none. So she split two. But mm. as she was leaving, she said, okay, mankind, if. You can, if you ever do get your shit together, I'll come back. And not only will I'll, I come back, I'll bring with me all the dodos and the unicorns <laughs> and the motherfucking T-Rexes. Yeah, that's what we need right now is a bunch of T-Rexes. Well, you know, who said a bunch? I don't know. I don't know how many there were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody does. We'll find out. But I think I've seen every movie in the Jurassic Park <laughs> universe? <laughs> well, that's, you know, that what if it was friendly, what kind of movie would that be? I know, but they've, you know, those, those T-Rexes have been all over the place. Yeah, well, know. Eating people in San Francisco. Well, so what do you do, were, what, what do, you do on Sundays? You, you preach? Uh, yeah, I sermonize. Uh, we build the religion. Uh, I'm wearing my, you know, I am an ordained minister already. Oh. Uh, so the, the Reverend Lucky Eight's title comes uh, clean. It's, Is that it's the... Legit. Is that the, the Universal, um, Life Universal Life Church? I am also married yep. to a reverend. Yep. Of, uh, of that same church. Right. I have performed weddings. Um, and, uh, you know, all you, all you need to start a church is uh, a ministry, a, like a, a regular ongoing ministry uh, in a place. And so my place is my ministry, but I'm doing it. Online, on streaming, uh, right. because, you know, we have to. But this is how I'm founding my churches based on that. So I'm kind of hoping I, I'm going for a tax-free status Yeah, here. I was going to ask. So the rules in the United States seem upside down and cuckoo to me. So do you think that you can uh, apply to be an actual church? If, if, I, if I do this every uh, Sunday, yes. I'm going I'm to pursue it. There's a lot of bookkeeping, though. I, I feel like there's less bookkeeping because <laughs> you don't have to pay taxes. I'm glad that you feel that you don't. Oh, you don't have to pay taxes on anything. Like, do you think like your income from television could be considered donations to the church? I would donate it to. Well, what, yeah, I will donate it to the church. Uh, the church will get its own LLC. Uh, Are you serious right so. now? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, the church will get. I'll, I'll start. Uh, the the church will have its own bank account, and uh, when I start uh, when next season, if next season rolls around, uh, I'll donate my paychecks to the church, which will be a write off for me. <laughs> oh God! Uh, well, and then my church doesn't have to pay taxes. Do you? 
Okay. Well, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm excited to hear your zeal. Um, a lot of new religions start with a lot of optimism and zeal and also tax breaks and whatever. Well, you know, the, 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 we have one tenet. There, there's one and, and everything else sort of falls under the umbrella of this one. I don't want to call it a commandment because I don't like that word command. Right. I command thee. Uh, but we have one tenet and it's don't be an asshole. No assholes. Right. Just don't be an asshole. Uh, be into your thing. That's fine. If somebody else is into their thing, don't be an asshole. And if you're into your thing, don't be an asshole about it. Just right. be into your thing and leave everybody else alone. Um, uh, I think this is. I think this is the, a moment that's like ripe for religious um, zealotry and new things springing up. In fact, in new my, things. Def- absolutely, a new myth. We need a new myth. In my neighborhood, there's all sorts of weird, like religious reincarnation all kinds of different posters popping up and that's not uh-huh. normal for this area yeah right on. so it's like it's out there uh i watched a documentary about satanism yeah oh man which one um it's about the Hail satan the yeah one with the question mark yeah it's great yeah so it scared me because i'm i'm scared of i think i'm scared of god and the devil <laughs> <laughs> what but they're, they're, you might as well be scared of santa claus I <laughs> the tooth fairy. I know they're the same. They're the same creatures. I know, but I'm scared. And the, and what's even? <laughs> what are you scared of? You're scared that they're real. Yeah, I'm scared that Becky they're real. Johnson, Becky. <laughs> well, I am. And you know what's even weirder is that like, so I'm Jewish. Went to Hebrew school, and there's like, there's no devil. I was no, never. I yeah, you don't even have a concept of hell. I was never taught about the devil, and I'm very scared of him, and I'm scared of demons. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Do you get sleep paralysis? Because no. I do. Do you know what that is? Yeah, where you, like, wake up, but you can't move, right? You can't move. You can't talk. You think there are things touching you or looking at you in your room. It feels demonic. Sh- and But those, that's not just a bad dream? It's sleep paralysis. It's... A scientific thing, but it sure as fuck feels like a whole bunch of devils are trying to get at you. It's scary. Yeah, uh, you know, but uh, it's also, it's probably chemical. Uh, it's like, you know, have you ever heard of DMT? Uh, is that the, the love drug the or whatever? God, the God drug. It's <laughs> the, the God drug. The God molecule. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where, yeah. It's a naturally occurring thing, right? It's The DMT is in plants and in uh, some animals are natural carriers of it. And I think to a, some minuscule degree, it's in the human system. Right. But when you take the drug or smoke it or whatever, you get like it's these – everybody has sort of the same idea about their trip. It's complete hallucinogen. Uh, you go into a world of like geometric, brightly colored geometric shapes, but there are also beings present that slightly resemble a human form and they always talk to you and they're always super positive. And you like everybody says you are overwhelmed with a feeling of love. And acceptance, but it also teaches you that you are nothing. There's so much more that is greater than you that you're not aware of. Well, and if then, everyone you know, has 15 this... minutes later, people come out of this trip and they're like, oh, this is what I saw. But again, you're under the influence of a hallucinogenic drug. Yeah, but if everyone has the same experience, then how is it not real? 
Well, because everybody isn't like because people don't go in and talk to the same guy, right? Like they, I it's don't just know. These, it's just words, right? It's, so it's like a dream. I think it probably. Te- I mean, there's a lot going on in our brains that we just do not understand. Yeah. Also, right? like, like when you say it's just a dream, like dreams are fucking. Why do they happen? You just close your eyes. And- our. Eight hours of nonsense? Yeah. Our, 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 it's not eight hours though. We think it's eight hours Uh, because our brains are these supercomputers. It's not as short as you think. Dreams aren't two seconds. It's like a, it's like a, it has to sort of dump information and, and flush so that we can go into the new days. Because if it didn't flush information on a regular basis, that's why sleep's so important. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, has, but still, dreams are fucking crazy. What the hell is that? And here's another question. It's just a flush. It's just like your brain, like, it's chemicals, first of all. It's just chemical reactions bouncing around. Just uh, chemicals. Come on. We're bags of chemicals. I That's know, but, like, are. the fact that chemicals in our brains can do all that, that we have perception at all, is amazing. Anyway. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. This thing called life is very weird. Do you, Especially sentient life. Do you believe in Gladys? Gladys the Holy Dodo? Of course I do. Well, same thing. If we can get our shit together, she'll come back. Same thing then. I also know that you just can't say that you don't believe in Gladys or you don't get your tax exemption. So That's, a, that's correct. <laughs> I, I have to believe in Gladys. I have to believe that she will come back if mankind can get its shit together. And since she has not come back, it hasn't. You're playing a dangerous game here, though, Lucky, because jokes and whatever, or or the belief that you have in Gladys, let's call it that instead of a joke, they can so quickly turn into reality. Like, I I was going to – I wanted to found, like, um, an award ceremony in Toronto for Toronto comedians as a joke to, like, right, make fun right. of award ceremonies. And well, I, now it's a big, huge, important thing to people. No, I never did it because I just looked around and went, uh, how much energy do I want to put into these people taking my joke so seriously they hate each other more? And yeah, yeah, I, exactly. I should probably just write a screenplay instead of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what? how do you think? What do you think about humanity? This is I'm trying to ask you about being hopeful. Where, how, where oh. are we headed? What do you think? Oh, man. Uh, oof. That, uh, I mean, we're not headed to a good place currently. No. Uh, which I think is, uh, I think this pandemic is a good thing uh, for that, I think. Uh, it's not so good in the States. I, I say that, but yet it's almost, it's almost a blessing that we have such a dipshit in charge and he's been in charge for four years and he riles up now we've never really known how dumb all of these people were and are right like he has brought them to the surface so that it is good for everyone to see like they're dumb you know i don't understand how evangelicals don't think he's the antichrist when absolutely he is on paper and i don't because because he has an r next to his name there is no other reason he read he wasn't even he wasn't a republican like two years before he ran for president he was a democrat and he just switched because he was like they're easier to manipulate uh and so he did and like that's the only reason he is a means to their end and they will use this archaic three thousand year old book of ancient stories they'll they'll interpret specific little reinterpreted lines 
from that to fit whatever their agenda is, which is no abortions and we hate gays and people yeah. of color. Like that's really all it is. It's all like Christianity, especially evangelical Christianity is as big a terrorist organization as ISIS. It is, they are extremists and they are dangerous and he has them in the palm of his hand. He's and got he, all the yahoos. He's got all the gun nuts. That's like if – like he could raise an army against – you know, like he would be – he knows he can't because then like they, the army would have no choice but to intervene. Uh, I don't know. I mean – but that's what I mean. It's so disruptive to the fabric of American society that I don't understand why anyone wants it. Well, because, well, because – at this point, and this is another, you know, thing that I'm, I, I goes back to my point of this is almost a blessing. Is yeah. This it makes it abundantly clear what Republicans' values truly are, and what that is is bullying and power. That's it. Yeah. Uh, they they are the bullies of the world. Of you know, they're the shittiest. Of, that America produces and we as a country are better than that. And they are also like they just – they – and th- what Trump taught them is you just accuse the other side of wanting what we really want. That's his whole game. Everything that he accuses the other side of, he's actually 100 percent guilty of. It's, it's astounding. Yeah, it's projection and it's he deflection. He basically admits and- his own crimes constantly, but he's just claiming that the Democrats are doing what he's actually doing. Well, and, the, and his base eats it up because they're all stupid. It's interesting. Like when he got elected, I was like, you know, we've kind of – United States anyway, not we, have, have stepped away from the sense of – even the sense of what's right and wrong. And now it's just about winners and losers. Yeah. It's about yes. winning. It's not about right. And that's what his whole thing is. I mean, that's yeah. a, like his his story is he's a, he was a he was this as a child. Like he's never not been this. Uh, he got sent to military school. He was so out of control. Uh, they, they sent him to military school, and he became a big bully there. He held like a high, you know, he was like an officer or something because he was just this horrible bully. Uh, and so that he that's all he's known is this. And it's because he is unloved himself uh, and probably somewhere in there is terrified of everything. Uh, and so he's just this shitty – he's Cartman. Eric Cartman is the president. <laughs> or he's possessed by a demon. <laughs> he's Eric Cartman. He has no soul. Someone sucked yeah. his soul out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think um, – do you think shit's going to change in the states? Are you hopeful about that? I mean, it has to change, uh, I guess. It, I mean, it's going to change one way or the other. Uh, I, you know, I don't think there's going to be a civil war. Uh, I, I, I'm surprised there's not been more bloodshed already. Yeah. Um, I'll also say this, uh, just because of, uh, I don't know, the the, the past, uh. It's sort of obvious that all the crazies and especially gun kooks, but like people who will go and start gunning down are have have to be all conservative minded people because no Democrat like Democrats have been pushed beyond our break. You know, just the left, anybody who's liberal has been pushed beyond the breaking point for so long now on this side and nobody has snapped and done something awful yet. And so, you know, yet, 
But it's like, I mean, we're almost at election time. Like it could, it could change in November, but it's also like, wow, that's sort of weird that there's been nothing of note. So it's like, I guess, does that mean that everybody who snaps ultimately is one of them? I don't know. That lady in the Satanist documentary called for the assassination of the president. Oh, yeah. And then she immediately got kicked out of the church. <laughs> yeah. It was her yeah, art. Her Jax, art was, was... Jex Blackmore. I liked her. <laughs> That's her name. I liked her, too. She's from Detroit. Uh, but, yeah, was, as soon as I saw that part, I was like, oh, man, what did she just do? And sure enough, they're like, yeah, we had to kick her out. Yeah, you can't call for the assassination of people. No, We're Satanists. No. We're not no, murderers. Of course not. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and clearly the left is not murderers. I I hope not. I don't know. It's possible. Anything's possible. Things feel like they're really crumbling. Ah, uh, you know, we need a restart. Uh, you know, uh, mankind has had a terrible run. So let's just, you know, let's just take it out. That's fine. I hear the birds where you are. Is nature coming back? Oh, man, everywhere here. Yeah, it's great. Our skies are like so much clearer now. You know, Atlanta's pretty polluted. Yeah. A lot of cars here. Yeah. Um, yeah, nature is totally coming back. I, I was out there last night and my, uh, I, I have a condo, but I have a little garden. Yeah. And uh, I heard an owl hooting and I live right in the middle of the city. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's very nice. I'm going to sit out here and listen to the owl for a minute. Yeah, here in Toronto, I mean, like there's deer Coming into the city and yeah. raccoons are just laying down in the middle of the street, giving everyone the finger, <laughs> jerking off, <laughs> jerking off and making eye contact. <laughs> uh, Adam Reed, uh, creator of the television show Archer, uh, lives in North Carolina and he just sent me videos last night of bears, bears on his patio, uh, sniffing around where they were out eating dinner the night before, like a family of three bears. Oh my gosh. Doesn't it make you- Bears! It makes me feel like- we're supposed to be, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be cave dwellers who kind of yeah. are scared yeah. and sneak out here and there and are really, and then it's run exactly back into right. our cave and then the world's a little exactly. bit better. Yeah. And then we decided, no, let's conquer everything. Let's murder and take over everything. Yeah. Let's just be everywhere all the time, screaming and puking and yeah. partying. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's get drunk and make everything convenient for us. <laughs> we don't want to work anymore. Well, Lucky, where can people um, follow your religion or find you online? Or what do you want? Only what? only Instagram. That's it. Yeah? Lucky Yates? Yeah. Yep. At Lucky Yates. Both Ys are present. That's all you need to um, you know join this new religion. I encourage you yep. all to get involved. Make it big. Take its one tenet too seriously. Yeah, just don't be an asshole. How can you take that? Like, I don't think you can take that seriously enough. Lucky. Don't don't be an asshole. There's always a way to subvert any message into something bad. If we have mm. learned anything from the past, we're capable of it. Well, this has been a podcast about hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been so good to talk to you. You too, Becky. I miss you. I miss you too. Okay, stay safe and send my love to All Abe. Right. All right, I will. Okay. So give my love to Itor. I will. All right. Bye. Bye. The H Word Podcast is proud to be part of the Shop family of productions. Follow the shop on Instagram at the underscore shop to. 
artwork this week by Tripper Dungan, and our theme music as always by Laura Barrett. For information on all our artists and guests, please follow us everywhere at the H Word Pod or sign up for our newsletter at thehwordpod.com. Mm-hmm.